Good evening. Welcome, everyone. Um, my name is Gregory Mosher, Katrina Vandenheuvel. Tonight is, uh, as you know, you're here to hear a conversation with uh, Arthur Danto and Lauren Pamuk. This is the first of uh, more than a dozen events having to do with President Václav Havel's visit to Colombia and to New York City this fall, uh, inspired by his life as a playwright and as a president and as one of surely the great citizens of the 20th century. We've organized a whole series of symposia on various art forms and citizenship tonight, of course, is literature and citizenship, and we're thrilled to have both of these men with us. We have a series of partners for these events. Tonight is The Nation and The Harriman. The Harriman has organized a dazzling um, series of events later in this, and I urge you all to go to the website, which is on the program tonight, and to check it out. It's a, it's a really special, special day that The Harriman has organized. Um, before I have Katrina, I ask Katrina to introduce Arthur Danto, I just want to say that some of you have probably noticed that on the back page of your program is the host committee for the Havel at Columbia visit, and on it you will see the names of Rose and William Styron. I'm, I'm sure you all know that, or almost all of you know, must know that Bill Styron died yesterday, and um, I think it would not be inappropriate just to take a very brief moment and just remember Bill and his great, great contribution to American literature, so. Thank you. Um, I have to say, Rose had someone call today to apologize that she would not be here tonight, which just, which just killed me, um, but typical of her for those of you who know her. Um, so thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, Katrina Vandenheuvel, editor and publisher of The Nation. Thank you. Thank you, Gregory. It, it's an honor for The Nation to be part of this evening. Um, in, his, in his eulogy of Frank Zappa, <laughs> a musician considered one of the gods by the Czech underground during the 60s and 70s, Václav Havel wrote of how Zappa came to visit him at the castle after he had uh, become president. And Zappa wrote, Havel probed me about the negative and positive aspects of the velvety path we had chosen for ourselves. And Zappa was fascinated, and this is the theme of our evening, and excited by the idea that an artist would write a paper as a political act. Maybe he was thinking of Havel's extraordinary essay, The Power of the Powerless, and of Havel essentially a man, a literary man who'd fallen into a political situation, but who always kept his priorities straight. As he once said, and I think something Gregory would respect, Havel said, if you want to see your plays perform the way you wrote them, become president. <laughs> <laughs> but tonight I'm here to introduce Arthur Danto, who like Havel has several lives, philosopher, art critic, citizen of Colombia, the country, the world. And indeed, Arthur Danto occupies a unique position in American culture. He combines a lively and important career as a philosopher and as the nation's art critic since 1984, an interpreter of art for a wider public. When you're with him, though, you don't feel like you're with a statesman. He has too much of a sense of merriment, a sensibility of perpetual curiosity, not a trace of pomposity. When Betsy Picota, then the nation's literary editor, called to invite Arthur to be the magazine's art critic, Arthur described it this way, quote, it was like Lana Turner being discovered at a soda fountain. <laughs> And he added, what I found was that I could do something as an art critic that I couldn't do as a, as a philosopher, namely, philosophize. Arthur never gets stuck in a polarized debate. He just thinks too creatively and brings too much to the subject. He has, in short, a very healthy and liberated mind, which you will see at work, at play, tonight. Just formerly, he's the Johnsonian Professor Emeritus of Philosophy at Columbia, on the faculty since 1952, and has published more than half a dozen books of art criticism. And in a world often defined by combativeness, he has a great generosity of spirit in his criticism and his stance. It's an honor, a pleasure to introduce Arthur Danto. Thank you.
My immediate task is to say something about my partner here, uh, Oren Pamuk, and I'm going to try to do it a little bit by using his own language, or at least his own mise-en-scene. The concluding chapter of uh, Oren Pamuk's Istanbul Memories and the City describes what the title of the chapter calls A Conversation with My Mother, but which in fact narrates a running battle between the author as a young man and his mother over the question of what he is to do with his life. The point of contention is whether he should be a painter, which we, who've read the book to that point, but not his mother, know has already been decided by him. In the end, his mother tells him, you're going to have to find a way to finish university. You can't support yourself painting. You'll have to get a job. After all, we're not rich like we used to be. And she adds, this isn't Paris, you know. It's Istanbul. Even if you were the best painter in the world, no one would pay you the slightest attention. In France, she says, wittily enough, when they say someone is a great artist, even the water stops running. Here, on the other hand, a painter who leaves school and spends his life at his mother's side ends up either drunk or in the nuthouse. The comedy is that he's already given up painting, for which he has, he feels, but a limited talent. But he's also effectively stopped attending the program in architecture in which he's enrolled. When the arguments get too heated, he slams the door and goes for long nocturnal walks in the city. The chapter's like a play from which one can deduce the author's life so far. The play ends with an astonishing speech. The book ends with an astonishing speech. On this particular night, he reaches a decision which will end the argument. When he returns from his walk, he will say to his mother, I don't want to be an artist. I'm going to be a writer. This has the ring, I felt, of Joyce's last line in Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, which we now know is what Istanbul, the book, has been all along. We all know the line, but it, I'll read it. Welcome, O life. I go to encounter, for the millionth time, the reality of experience and to forge in the smithy of my soul the uncreated conscience of my race. Why the speech is astonishing is that nothing in the book is even hinted at literary ambition, which the book itself fulfills. The intricacy of the relationship between his life, his art, and his world explains, I think, why Oren Pamuk's writing has been so magnificently received. So please welcome Turkey's great novelist, essayist, and homme de lettres, uh, Oren Pamuk. I should say, to begin with, that this is intended as a conversation. Uh, and uh, as, as you have to be aware, conversation is not a scripted discourse. It's something where one hopes it'll work out all right. But uh, there's no way in, in, in which one can anticipate. What we have, to begin with, really, is a thesis or a theme, not even a thesis. Uh, uh, the theme being art and citizenship. This is a subject uh, dear, certainly, to Vaclav Havel, and it, it's in, in, in honor, really, 
of uh, uh, President uh, Havel that uh, these events are being held. Um, I think my difficulty, and I'll just say this flat out, but I'm not at all clear what the, I'm really not clear about the conjunction. I think I have some ideas about citizenship, I have some ideas about literature, but literature and citizenship is something I think I don't totally understand. That is say the conjunction baffles me either because there are too many conjunctions or there isn't any, any at all. My idea of a good place to think about it is the nation, the magazine that's sponsoring this event. The front of the book it is citizenship, it's about equality, it's about justice, it's about liberty, uh, it's about current events, and the back of the book is about literature. And, and those are kept pretty separately. Occasionally, issues of liberty, equality, justice, etc., come up, and then it moves to the front of the book. For the most part, uh, uh, there's, there's not much, much of a connection between how the nation thinks about literature and then how it thinks about the world. But possibly, and this is what I want to bring up for Oren Pamuk to respond to, possibly I take, or maybe I should say we take here in America, the concept of citizenship uh, much too lightly. Maybe in uh, Czech, what used to be Czechoslovakia uh, and possibly even Turkey. The, the idea of, of citizenship is, is far more fraught, and the idea that citizenship and literature are hand in glove might conceivably suggest itself to someone who, like, uh, like uh, Havel, uh, has been a high administrator, the highest in this country, and uh, one of the leading, leading uh, uh, playwrights of his uh, era. So I'd, I'd like just to, for Oren to respond to that, that a predicament of mine at any rate, on the idea of citizenship and well, literature. Well, first of all, this uh, citizenship and literature, I think it's uh, a new version of the old-fashioned politics and literature. And then, of course, we don't say that. That's a bit too old-fashioned. So we say we find a more, a, a more say, an up-to-date, civilized, uh, and perhaps uh, a framework which is more moral, uh, and then uh, I understand the desire to say citizen art and citizenship. That is uh, essentially the link between moral duty of the author or the artist and the, con the uh, connection between that um, moral duty and the nation, the, the citizenship, whatever it is. Uh, I believe in it, but then the urge to make political comments, to be angry, to say the unsayable, to be critical, I think is not, that doesn't come from the, oh, you look at your passport, oh, I'm a citizen, oh, so I have a moral duty. It's not like that. Uh, I think we legitimize or put in a nicer frame, uh, we develop a rhetoric uh, that is more acceptable and more prestigious, so to speak when we refer to our political discourse and legitimize it or even put an aura around it by saying it's my citizen, it's due because I'm a citizen, I accept this, I say this, so forth and so on. Or at least, again, uh, I, I think I agree or disagree that the American sense of citizenship, in fact, is much, much, much more developed and full of um, uh, moralistic duty or obligation than of mine. Uh, Turkish citizenship is you're a slave to a state. And, uh, and there is no duty that you have to do your military service. And that's it. Uh, that I don't feel a very strong um, uh, moral obligation. Rather, uh, on the other hand, uh, sometimes I'm outspoken, but not because I, I feel I'm a citizen here and these are our rights or this is our uh, the legal system. This is this is where we all. Uh, these are the say the uh, uh, core of our beliefs. No, uh, that it's simply that you see things, you get angry, and you can uh, then you say, oh, okay, I don't have to say this once. You can't say it. you don't want to say it second time. Don't want. Then at the third occasion, something happens, and you say it. And then 
And once you say the unstable, then everyone is shocked. Uh, everyone is looking. You're all by yourself. Then, oh, 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 oh look, that's not, uh, and then you try to, in order to protect yourself, try to develop a theory, uh, a sort of a um, comparative so, uh, uh, um, political theory that make, makes, legitimizes your position uh, rather than being seen as a mad or a rabid mad person who's looking for trouble, a troublemaker. Uh, you, yes, this is my citizen's duty. As a citizen, it's my duty to say, you're right, you're, you're wrong, sir. Um, so uh, I think that political uh, instinct, the critical mind that from all the artists and writers I have known, actually do not come from from our passports, from from the state that we bow our heads to, but rather from a more instinct of truth, and fury, anger makes us what we are. In fact, that's how I feel. So you think of yourself, in some sense, as a conscience, a conscience expressing what you feel the the nation needs needs. No, to hear. I don't see the nation there. It's not in the picture. It's I'm angry. And I think, oh, I'm a bit famous here. I know, maybe I can say this. I see. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then others are not saying. And then also, there is a resentment in me uh, when I see all these uh, establishment guys who are not saying, and all, you know, all producing a, a highly developed rhetoric of lies. You get angry. Uh, uh, this I had seen from also in all the uh, other authors uh, in my part of the world, that I think that uh, you don't need much theory. Everyone knows there are lines, and everyone knows that there are the unsayable things, and occasionally someone says something, and then there is a whole campaign against that, whatever. Uh, uh, and most of the time, uh, people who make uh, this kind of, um, I would say, controversial comments about politics, about the state of affairs, uh, about the unsayable taboos, so forth and so on, are not, in fact, have a, a deep sense of the meaning of what they are doing, a, a, a sort of a framework which explains uh, in a, a highly prestigious and refined way uh, uh, what uh, the meaning of what they do. It's um, most of the time, in fact, uh, that we don't need uh, this kind of theory that defines our moral obligations, because most of the time, uh, the conservatives or people who protect the existing state of affairs also abuse that kind of moral frame. They say, our, it's our, citizen, it's our it's duty as a citizen not to say these things. Most of the time, the theories of uh, legitimizing uh, this kind of political discourse are also abused, and they also sometimes seem reasonable to me. Did you... Uh well, did you know in advance that you were going to get into that kind of trouble? I mean, you no, said no. You, you said it in Switzerland. It was no, in no, an no. interview, and and so did you know there was a law on the book, for example? No, uh, most of the troubles I frankly think that I had in the last three, three or four, four years, and I uh, are really uh, about uh, jealousy, resentment, I see. Uh, uh, very personal. It's not, and and it sometimes. The things that you say someplace, even more radical, no one notices. And there is an accidental quality to it. Uh, but I don't think anyone can predict what will happen. And that's the damning side of it, that you do an interview, say, to a German newspaper, then you don't even, oh, it's what, that was a fine inter interview. There was nothing provocative in it. You, don't, you even forget about it. Then, then it's badly translated. It's uh, handled in such a way that you find yourself in a position that, oh, you made a very strong political statement. Yeah. Or the other way around. You think that you go home and I said, oh, today I made a very strong political statement and there's nothing in the newspapers. <laughs> nothing in the newspapers. <laughs> I, I was, I was uh, struck, with, Katrina was talking about uh, uh, the, the, this woman who's, who's uh, the uh, archaeologist. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know how you pronounce it. C-I-G. Mm. How would you pronounce that? C? Uh, at any rate, she, she got into uh, difficulty yes, over so talking many people, about headscarves. Yes, so many people get into trouble. Exactly. That woman probably, did, that, that day when he made those remarks, went home and did not even think of that, that he may in fact in trouble. That 
uh, that Arthur Danto would be speaking about her in New York, that she uh, would never occur, would, would, uh, honestly would never have occurred to her, then most of these things are also uh, 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 prepared by the media. They're looking for trouble, and then it may be you, it may be this person. This I'm telling uh, that when you look from uh, Western countries, well, relatively when the democracy is more formed and there's uh, freedom of speech more visible at least, then they think that, these, uh, that uh, the guys uh, down there are heroes, are organizing, doing things. It's not like that. It's very complicated. What, I, what impressed me afterward was that she referred to herself as citizen. She uh -huh. said reflections of a citizen. And I, I, I think to myself, when would I ever refer to myself as a citizen? I, citizen Danto, citizen Kane. Uh, we, we have Citizen Kane, and I, I never until this minute wondered why Citizen Kane, for example, is Citizen Kane rather than Mr. Kane. Or, uh, of course, there's the, the reference to the fact that he, we are all equal, uh, that, uh, that even that Mr. Kane, which refers to Hearst, I think, uh, yeah. uh, uh, although he may have so much power, he is as, as, as the... Uh, uh, as, the law counts, as the, our constitution, or American constitution counts, is no more than one single per, uh, person. And uh, although uh, with his mediatic power he may be controlling the country, uh, he is a citizen as well. And so we also watch in the film his little melodramas, his loveness, so forth and so on. Yeah. Well, I think, for example, in, at least in English literature, it's not a romantic word. I think of the Marseillaise, where you say, uh, uh, Citoyen, citoyen, marchand, marchand, consomme, etc., etc., etc. Allons en fond de la patrie. Uh, we don't have citizens being used. Aux armes, citoyens. You, you, you couldn't easily get away with that, I don't, I don't think. I, I agree. Uh, but um, again, uh, citizenship, uh, or the, 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 I would say, the rhetoric of citizenship and putting it on a pedestal as a political uh, liberating uh, force uh, uh, is just a new thing in my part of the world where in fact uh, a citizen means that a person who has to obey and be a slave of the state in fully rather than a, a person who has his or her rights right. and demands that the stay, state serve him, do things for him. No, it's the other way around. That a citizen is a person who, who has duties, do military service, pay his tax, not important, but be a good, a good boy, a good girl, to yeah. then believe whatever the state says. A good citizen is, the go is a good person who obeys. So it's not a, it's not a prestigious, important concept. Uh, it's, it also, uh, you, you get a, a passport, but on the other hand, uh, the, till mid 1980s, uh, political uh, 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 dissents could not get Turkish passport because they were afraid that if they would leave the country, talk bad about the trash the country, so they, they will never get a, uh, even the passport. Could you explain uh, a little bit? I, I, I'm just baffled, so it's, it's a more, more a matter of enlightenment on my part, but why? <coughs> I mean, everybody evidently admits that there were lots of Armenians who were killed. Mm -hmm. A million and a half Armenians were killed. But, so, so they say, but we don't call that a genocide. Then the question would, that because it's, if, if you say, uh, I'm the only one who talks about a million and a half Armenians uh, slain or killed or whatever, deported, and, and the rest of it, you wouldn't have gotten in any trouble. It's when you called it a genocide that you got into trouble? No. No. No, it was not like that. Uh, um, it's, it, this, this, uh, this is a subject that I'm really uncomfortable about. Yeah, uh, that okay. In fact, uh, that because of that, perhaps I may have talked about it, that it said, I thought that it was one of the essential taboos of the Turkey, uh, Turkey's democracy, and it, I thought that it should be only talked about, and I just talked about it in a very casual manner without having a political agenda, uh, without the, the intention of uh, breaking a political, making a grand political command. And uh, the way of that taboo is, was really high beyond me. 
and, and also the uh, details of history, horrors of past. Uh, these are things that I should never address lightly. Uh, and I uh, what I said, I said, I said, and I, I take the responsibility, but I don't lightly make comments on that. And, and, and I leave the past as, as, as past, and, and I, uh, I don't have a strong urge to re revisit what happened, what I said, what happened in the past. I'd rather go into my business of writing books. Okay, so let's get Thanks. To, to the business of <laughs> writing books. Uh, but not, not, not mm. totally, mm. because uh, I was thinking of the, this book that uh, is a political novel. You said it was your, your first and last political novel, Snow. Uh, and I thought to myself afterward, is there anybody in that book that I would think of as a citizen? They all seem to have some political identity, but nobody has a, what one might call Turkish citizenship as their, as, as their identity. There are terrorists, there are... Look, it's, I think that people of Turkey are more concerned about their ethnic identity, cultural identity, than the... Uh, uh, that's a concept of citizenship. In fact, oh. the ruling elite of the country is trying to develop a concept of citizenship so that country do not fall apart. Uh, while uh, 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 radical, both leftist and rightist, uh, sometimes also highly associated with a sense of um, uh, ethnic sense, uh, still claim the, uh, their Kurdishness, their Turkishness, or whatever. Snow is my, was, as I said, obviously my first and last political novel. Why did I say that? Years before I, uh, I published the book, when I began to write it, I said to my friends, then in the interviews, I over and over repeated that, because from the previous generation of Turkish authors who were, mo much, mo most of them, much more radical, politically committed, uh, with a sense of uh, political agenda, had devoted their political energies to their, and combine, try to combine them with their art, and most of the time failed. I had seen best talents of previous generation of Turkish authors destroy their talents, destroy their work, waste their time and life with a, a, a conscience to be perhaps a good citizen. Art uh, and citizenship, I, I strongly believe that, are not necessarily compatible. Good citizens do not make good artists most of the time, or, you know, we don't have, this, uh, of course, statistics of it. Bad citizens uh, produce good artists. Artists tend to be egoists, uh, tend to be uh, e egoist, and, uh, and they're more successful if they care only about their art and ignore about the other citizens. Most of the good artists I have seen are very egoist, paying attention uh, and only to the quality, sales, in fact, uh, their careers or their uh, achievement and success as an artist. Not that these people that I have known and I respect have, do not have tentacles open to uh, injustice, uh, lines, taboos, uh, horrific political situations. They sense, the, they see these things. Some of them uh, know in a, in a gentle manner to close their mouths some of them occasionally say the unsayable, get mad and say this or that. And art, I think real arts and politics are related in a, in a much more complicated uh, mental way rather than uh, political theory or art history. It is the sensibility, passion, anger of the artist who most of the time uh, puts him in, in trouble rather than a sense of belonging and citizenship. Or at least the, art, the kind of artist that I like is that kind of person who doesn't have an Aristotelian uh, sense of balance and uh, organization and seeing the whole, but rather a sort of a dramatic, a person who has a dramatical uh, anger, who sometimes cannot control it and say the unsayable or attack a person with a sort of an unorganized paranoia. I think. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, what I'm trying to do just at this moment uh, as you're talking is to think if there's anything parallel here, for example. I, I think in the 30s and the 40s, being an American artist was important to a certain number of artists. Partly, it, it involved uh, 
uh, independence of, of Europe and European modernism. In particular, you find a certain number of artists who feel that they, they should uh, uh, make art out of their own identity, their own ge geographical identity, and, and, and so forth. They were not, by any means, bad, bad artists, but there was a defiance in the idea of their being, being American. Uh, the Whitney Museum of American Art at this moment is now trying to get away from that problem because all the interesting artists that are living in America come from some other place and they'd like to be able to show them this in, in the museum. But, but there was that moment at any rate. And, and I, I just wonder whether uh, national identity, seeking a national identity in Turkey, wouldn't have some parallel uh, a preoccupation. Yeah, that is to say, you're not accepted as a world artist, so we will be Turkish artists in that way. Okay, I was reading critical essay, uh, essay, critical essays that Edgar Allan Poe wrote years, years ago, and then there was this sort, sort, sort of, an, I wouldn't say a feeling of inferiority, but it's obviously that, that, that for him, that just the fact that some British author wrote it was, uh, 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 was enough to uh, accept uh, this or that idea. Uh, that now Edgar Allan Poe, which we think that at the heart of the American canon now, by, uh, when he was uh, trying to uh, develop his ideas, write for the magazines, was in fact heavy, heavily felt a heavy burden of being an American, I told, that, that he felt obviously inferior to uh, British or English writers. I think that sort of um, anxiety of not having developed a strong culture uh, and not uh, 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 or being a part of a country or a culture that doesn't have enough a strong audience that would uh, uh, that would un un understand enjoy the products of the artist these are common things uh, when uh, uh, the nations that are at the periphery or not at the center of the world have uh, now, being an American here is that there is an obvious sense that, that now America is an empire, American art and culture is running the world, and although uh, lots of people may be coming from uh, Europe, uh, lot, uh, although there may be some problems in 50s, 60s, even 70s uh, in arts, now it is there is a strong sense of uh, power here, uh, which is obvious. and now, anxiety of belonging uh, to a nation or representing this or that. Once, uh, 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 once you're in the periphery, not uh, that, uh, that national problems are uh, tormentingly gets to be higher, then uh, even your personal failures, you try to represent that in your mind's eye as national situation rather than your personal. And everything is related to uh, artistic, artistic failure. Uh, uh, the limit of your uh, imagination, your, um, uh, the power of uh, your uh, greed, so to speak, uh, your ambitions are all tested and defined and framed by the national situation, which is sometimes an exaggeration, but it's dam damningly inevitable. Uh, how, to, uh, uh, how to get out of it? Milan Kundera made uh, very interesting observations about that, perhaps because he belonged almost to two nations. At first, he was as a Czech, uh, 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 Czechoslovakian citizen. He had this narrowness. He had a, a very sarcastic, sometimes mean sense of being uh, belonging to a small nation. Uh, all the uh, artists are talking about the national problems in such a way that no one outside the nation is interested. Then uh, he moves to Paris. And then, at the beginning, he was a bit sarcastic about the uh, um, uh, nationalistic checkpoint uh, check of view, whether uh, radical or whether uh, conservative. But then, then he began to come to terms with, with it. Perhaps now he put a distance both to his Frenchness and Czechness. I think national framework is damning in, in all the non-Western uh, countries especially if you're out of the empire, you, you are pushed to uh, a national situation, which you have to, I think, resist, turn around with. You should not uh, uh, underline it. I think it's nation, uh, if, uh, and another damning thing that 
critics and art historians or literary critics uh, uh, do to non-Western and uh, writers or writers from small nations or peripheral nations, not necessarily small, is that they put you in a small uh, pigeonhole saying that you're Turk. I, I have said this so many times that if Proust uh, writes about love, uh, it's that we, we read the book and then the critics and we all think that it's, it's how humanity loves. It's the, uh, Proust is not like the, uh, writing about French people or Parisian uh, uh, turn of the century uh, aristocrats or whoever, but he is writing about humanity. But if I write about love, uh, up to till just recently, they will say, oh, he's writing about Turkish love. <laughs> uh, I have to say that what, what I've read so far, particularly uh, in, in, in Istanbul, what, whatever genre Istanbul belongs to, mm -hmm. that, 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 that seemed to me that, that you, you, you were writing um, a, a kind of Buddenbrook situation, which happened to be taking place in uh, Turkey, but there was nothing particularly Turkish about it, as far as I, I, I would be concerned. I, I think a large family, or a family that at a certain point had money, and the money had been sort of frittered a, 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 away, and uh, 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 the marital tensions that you describe in, in the book between your father and your mother, and then the Cain and Abel that you and your brother seem to have been. I mean, it, 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 it's almost biblical in a certain kind of way, but I think everybody can see their own lives inscribed there in, in a way. And I would say that Turkey itself is just a, 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 back, a background uh, for what okay. goes on. Uh, first, very perceptive in the sense that I wrote it. My first uh, uh, novel, 600 page, was very influenced by Buden Brooks. I admire Thomas Mann very much. And, and then uh, for some, it's partly because I had a life like that too, that my grandfather made lots of money with building railroads in Turkey. Then my father's and uncle's generation uh, sumptuously lost that money. And, and my grandmother, and my image of my childhood is that my grandmother crying all the time and saying that, okay, sell that house too, but then don't lose anymore. And then and this continued for years. Uh, this is partly a Budenburg situation. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, that I think there are some parts to it that is unique. For, for example, uh, the chapter on the rich, the chapter about religion. These are, I think, uh, uh, these uh, are unique to my part of the world, or a sort of a combination of upper middle class bourgeois and Islamic bourgeois. That, are the, that, that is perhaps the only thing I know from inside. I went from once to Hyderabad in India, you know, in central in India, uh, that there I had seen the same thing, that there is a sort of a peculiar class uh, that non-Western, Islamic, upper-middle bourgeois class. There is a, a, a class like that. It's interesting. I know them from inside. And, the, uh, and for me, it's not just uh, uh, the, uh, the, the social being of that class is not only a, uh, is a background for me, but perhaps a dramatical thing, a, a, a dramatical social being which I belong, which formed me. Um, the, and I, uh, in loving attention, tried to describe that people, those, that those people in my novels, and also return to them in Istanbul. In the, when you talk about religion in, in the book, it's chiefly the lower classes. It seems, it seems as a matter of fact, to be a class class phenomenon. Your, your family didn't seem to be particularly religious. They were not religious, but, yeah. they, uh, uh, but when they were upset when I said this publicly, I see. Uh, and, and, it's very, uh, and it's very typical in that, uh, that uh, I sometimes uh, say that the way Turkish secular ruling elite, which I perhaps, uh, I, at the beginning I also belonged to, perhaps did belong to, is that the way they looked at uh, religion was perhaps very similar to the way cultural studies professor looks at uh, low culture here in the United States, that it, that it is something they are not very interested, but it is something they have to respect to and understand, to understand what's happening in this world. And in fact, and it's also something 
you do not talk openly uh, in a very mean way about because it's also an insult to people to do that. Yeah. Uh, so this framework, which I uh, more obviously saw uh, in cultural studies here, was perhaps was inborn with the ruling secular elite, which I'm perhaps a part of. This is still kind of universal. I mean, I, I come from the city of Detroit. <laughs> My mother told me that when she asked her mother about sex, her mother said, it's something the Polish do. <laughs> There's a huge Polish population in Detroit. They all came there to work in the automobile industry and so forth. And so it's up for the, the, that, that idea of a class. Yeah, more or less the religion was something the poor do. Yeah. The poor do, yeah. yeah. But then there was a danger in it because the question there you, that you were worried about, I think, mm. as, as I read the book, that there would be a joining of forces between this so to speak, urban uh, proletariat, and then the well-off but unenlightened Muslims from the countryside who will, 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 will come in. And I don't know if something like that has yeah, happened. Yeah, of course, the, the, the typical anxiety of a ruling um, secular uh, member of an elite is that uh, what if uh, these religious people uh, with their religion uh, form a, a front and get rid of us? Yeah. Still, still, the, I think uh, it's the anxiety of all the ruling elites in uh, uh, in Islamic countries. Most of these ruling elites, if you will leave aside some uh, religious uh, countries like Iran, are trying to combine the popular religious sentiment uh, of the countries with the globalization, with what's happening in world, uh, and 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 they have a two-sided problem. When they address their nation, they say, oh, okay, we are like you, you know, we are also the religious, so forth and so on. But we have right to rule over you because we are also different. We talk to these Americans, these Westerners, we know how to uh, have a conversation with them. You don't even know that. Uh, and that's a, a sort of a legitimization of their power. Uh, so um, uh, this is su a subject that I would I'm hoping to pursue in future, that uh, the way upper middle classes of uh, not only Islamic countries but non-Western countries form, uh, decide about the identity of the country, signs and symbols that make that country accessible or that make, uh, that, make that country to, uh, to the whole world and how they control it and how they legitimize their power with, uh, both with the dialogue with the say powers of globalization and and their own people. I wanted to ask a, a slightly different, well, considerably mm -hmm. different question, mm -hmm. because the book ends with this quotation, of the, the, the passage where I quoted you by saying, I, didn't, I, I wasn't going to be an artist. I was going to be a writer. What happened to the dialogue between your mother and you after that? That is to say, did she say, you can't be a writer in Turkey for the same kinds of reasons that you can't More or be? less she said that. More or less she said that. They were, uh, I will, write, this, I will per, uh, write the continuation of my uh, yeah. uh, biography. In fact, uh, the formal structure of Istanbul is that it is a two-sided book. One side is uh, my autobiography till the age of 22. The other side is a sort of an essay about the book. At the beginning, I thought of writing a, a, a city book. Uh, uh, Walter Benjamin has a point, uh, uh, words to the effect that there are two kinds of city books, he says, when he reviews a, a book on Berlin. Uh, uh, books that were written by outsiders, these books, he says, tend to be exotic because outsider only pays attention to the things that are different from what does he doesn't have or she or she doesn't have. And, and most of the time, it, it, his outlook, he collects exotic uh, details. Uh, books that are written by the insiders, he comments, are, tend to be books of, in the end, for books of memory, because we also look at the buildings, oh, I did this here, oh, I did my first dance here, oh, I, I had a fight with this person here, so forth and so on. And, and in the end, the city turns, uh, is a sort of an index of our memories. And I, as soon as I begin writing books, and of course I'm an obvious insider, I realize that I, my Istanbul book, this is going to be a book of memories. So I said, let's be honest, let's divide this book deliberately to half of it is my memory my, till the age of 22, 
the other half will be an essay. Then the book is intertwined. These two parts are intertwined. Now after that book is finished, I'm hoping, collecting material, organizing in my mind's eye, a second and even a third volume. Uh, the second volume will be between the, uh, my age of 23 and 40, how a, say, non-Western person or a, a Turk uh, imposes himself the idea of a being a novelist, an art somehow a bit different uh, uh, with its philosophical implications is different than what his culture and history implies and how he uh, uh, forcefully uh, imposes himself, uh, makes himself, even I sometimes say this in Turkish, beats himself to be a novelist. That's what I did to myself, in fact. Uh, write a novel, I want to be a novelist. Of course, I enjoy Thomas, my Thomas Mann and Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and I wanted to write like them. But then there was some uh, impossibility. What that impossibility was? What was the philosophical consequences? How I overcome that? Or uh, uh, just like in Istanbul. Uh, uh, in Istanbul, I described my childhood sometimes with all of it full naivete. Sometimes as a person who is watching a child um, as a, say, grown-up distinguished author who pays attention to ups and downs of a child. And I combined this. So I want to do that again. This time, my sometimes uh, silent or uh, impossible quarrel with this idea of writing a good novel in the sense that uh, a fully furnished house, a fully developed novel in the sense of Western novel. You know, Turks or non-Western sometimes, uh, there's a little bit of uh, a miserable side to it want to imitate, but that it ends up being a total failure. And how to overcome this? I had all these, uh, uh, these are also related to national problems. So I had a deliberate, uh, very forceful, uh, almost Schopenhauerian, willful in, in desire to make it like them, as authentic as they did. But then I was imposing this literary agenda on myself with a full ambition. I'm going to do it, I was saying. But then, and I was 23, I was 30. What was happening in my mind? I want to narrate that from my todays, a bit more relaxed, a bit more self-confident, uh, more I had seen the world and life more, and combine it, and write my uh, story in that fashion, and in a, in a, in a perhaps a philosophical way, which you may be interested in, in such a way that what happens in our minds when we put the world in a frame so that, that that frame implies a novel. Characters are developed in such fashion that we, there's a, a third dimension and then it operates and there is this hidden music in the whole thing that we don't know the rules of, but then it gives a sense of fullness, a sense of a, 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 a human personality and its place in a social world. How does it happen? We don't really read the novel and all, most of the time we uh, enjoy surface pleasure and then we have a, 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 at the back of our head the intellectuals also implies a totality. Uh, how does it, how, how do we acquire it? If I'm out of this framework, how do I develop and go inside to this damning thing whose doors are locked to me and go inside, insist that I belong here and put my chair there and develop a world through that. But that's really pretty amazing to me when I think about the literary references in Istanbul itself, <clears throat> because <clears throat> they're almost uh, all of 19th century figures. Of course, the, the French, the, the, the travelers who but happen to have come to Istanbul and have, have met, but it's Gautier, it's Flaubert, uh, it's, it's Pierrotti. Uh, but they're not, so, but they're, they're not, these people did not influence me. They couldn't have, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. they couldn't have. But then the people who did influence you are these failed Turks that you talk about, these four, the four. But then they're, they're lovely, I like that. They're very melancholic. But you would have been a failure too if you'd imitated Yeah, them. but I'm lucky. <laughs> but where did the culture come from then? I mean, it, 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 what, 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 did it come from your father? I mean, My father had a big library. He had a big library. Uh, and, and then he'd read books. 
and I'm very lucky in the sense that that uh, he, he married my mother, he had two children, then he got bored when he was 27, he already had two children, his father had lots of money, and he was bored, he was handsome, a person who enjoyed life, woman always loved him, he had never, he was never dramatical, he always took, took life in an enjoyment of life very, was dear to him, and he took it lightly, and suddenly he left us and went to Paris, uh, and uh, just like those Americans okay, who lived in hotel rooms and kept notebooks, kept notebooks. Uh, and then, after a while, he first uh, invited my mother to Paris. We were left with my grandmother. And then we were, uh, we went, uh, you That's know. where you're living in different yeah, houses. Yeah, I left, yeah. I, uh, and also uh, a solitary childhood sometimes. Then he returned. Uh, uh, not a very happy marriage, but he had all these books. He had. Uh, uh, That'll bring him back yeah, every day. Yeah, uh, and then he w he used to buy all these Gallimard books. Uh, and then for for him, the heroes that I have to imitate, or the heroes, which was this was very important for me, that in, uh, like a Turkish upper class or an upper middle class uh, person, the heroes for him were not uh, the uh, religious saints or pashas, but Jean Paul Sartre and André Gide. And he had all the Gallimard, Sartre, and Gide books at home, and he used to talk about that. He used to talk about seeing uh, Jean-Paul Sartre in Paris pavements, and that stayed with me, and, his, uh, and that was the opening. That made me uh, an author. And also, uh, uh, that he had also said that he had also writer friends. He translated Valery to Turkish, but then he also said, uh, what is this provincial, my friends, you know, they're only published in Turkey. One should be internationally famous. He used to say that, yes. and that also stayed with me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that worked for you, all right. So it, it obviously this is a happy, it, happy story. Yeah, but I mean, what I'm, I, I, I don't think people necessarily read your books for insight into Turkey. You know, that it no, gives no, them yes. that that. But they sense. And, and they say so, and it hurts really that uh, that uh, that when uh, people uh, uh, journalists talk about my books a good insight to Turkey or an introduction. If you are going to Turkey, read this. I'm writing a novel, perhaps, that, that, that uh, uh, I don't want people to say, if you're going to Turkey, read this. If you're in love, read this. I'm writing a novel like that now. If you're in love, read this. Yeah. Kind of. Oh, well, I'm lots hoping. of love. That's, that's very pretty. Uh, I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah. Then let, 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 me, let me go a little bit further, pressing this, some, of, some of these points. Uh, because you want the novel to be a good novel. And, and, it's a, and, and a good it, novel is a Western novel as it, far. Yes, and it's the, a good novel is something that legitimizes itself, doesn't need a national context. That's right, it yeah. doesn't need a national context. But, but if, if, if uh, you, you, you were going to give a lecture to a creative writing class now, and they say, uh, well, well, Mr. Palmer, uh, what, what is a good novel? Then what, what would you say? You can't say, well, something written in France, because there are a lot of no, bad novels no, in no. France, too. So the question, I think, is, is, this is how uh, do you I, see that? I, 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 I would say that this is a too extravagant question, and you're demanding too much. I'm at, all right. <laughs> and, uh, then I, I can comment about parts of a good, just like a parts of a good clothes. Why do I like this, this tender feeling? Why that's good? Why? Uh, or I can read a paragraph or a page, then relate it to whole. What's the meaning of this? With pleasure, then you will understand the tightness of the text, the context, the okay. texture, these sorts of things. But, but what how I have, can I? Yeah. What I have in mind is that uh, if somebody said you want to read a good book, read Proust. I'd say, well, but you know, Proust is really not like anything else ever written. That that the thing that knocks me out when I think about it is how the good novels are one of a kind. The great novels, at least, are are one of a kind. Madame Bovary, uh, the re remembrance of things past, uh, the uh, nausea of Sartre. I mean, there, there's no yeah, I like common. That, yeah, I like that. Yeah, there's no property <laughs> in, that they all have. In, in common mm -hmm. with, 
with, with, with, with one, one another. So it, it, it seems to me that the first thing you'd say is a novel that's not like any of the other good ones. Yeah, but, uh, but what is the question? <laughs> well, the question is how you talk about a good novel in that sense. No, you want it to be but, a good one. but it's like life. That it's like, say, uh, or it's like uh, uh, a beautiful woman. Then how can you say what are the qualities of a beautiful woman? Maybe there are some qualities, uh, but then most of the time uh, that it's it's sensual pleasure that you know it, and then you don't know why you know you enjoy it, but you don't know why you enjoy it. And then of course the intellect demands that you put it that and explain that. Yes, I understand, but it's it's so vast the novels, the good novels, that it's, it's, I'd rather enjoy them uh, and, and count as Andrejit would do, what are the best ten novels, you know, that kind of thing. That Frankly. kind of thing. Yeah, but then I cannot go beyond it. Uh, and then also, uh, I don't think uh, that creative writing courses, which I'm attempting for the first time, put my uh, step in, are about opening, starting the lecture, what is a good novel? I think then, it, then it, it is in a, that inevitably leads to failure, I think, that kind of thought. Um, we, I think we have to talk about uh, good novels we like and then why we like them, and not necessarily we even agree why we like them. Uh, I think, uh, and, and most of um, uh, my instincts are not about why I enjoy a book, but my instincts, and most of the time I, I enjoy a book and I want to keep it hidden inside me. Uh, uh, the conversation with a sensible, distinguished person about the pleasures of a book is, I, ha I enjoy that very rarely in life, perhaps because I live in Turkey, but partly because, uh, partly because uh, it, that I felt a sort of jealousy when I come across a good book and I want to, f I have a sense of identif identification with the author and a sense of even an extravagant sense of that I may have written this book. Uh, uh, that, uh, that sharing that pleasure with others sometimes spoils it. And again, perhaps, why do I remember him tonight so much? Andrejit said that uh, in his uh, 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 diary, said some of my best thoughts are uh, broken down if I want to communicate that. My feeling about, I think, if I, I, I were asked about what, what, what makes a good novel is, it's a novel that gives everybody a metaphor for their own lives. That is to say, uh, I think, for example, that Anna Karenian is about me, though I'm of a different uh, gender and so forth, but in a certain important way, uh, Anna Karenian is about me, and uh, Proust, mm. I am also the Duchesse de Guermont, and, I understand. Uh, and that, that is what seems to me to be the greatness of a great, of a great novel, uh, and that, that you can fit yourself in, into it. Henry, Henry James would be my, my great novelist from that point of view, because I think he, at least he tells me what, he gives me metaphors for my, 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 my life, at, or has given me metaphors uh, okay. for my then, life. Okay, then now that you have ventured into that, I will say my uh, point of view too, that I think that it's not the metaphor, but that a sense of fullness, that our, our role in this world uh, it has a meaning, that the world is full and total, and then uh, the stories uh, uh, and our place in it is represented in such a way that we feel a mental satisfaction to, uh, to belonging to a fully satisfied world. The meanings, the, uh, uh, our deeds and actions are given a meaning which we do not actually uh, enjoy as we live them the, uh, in the novel. In the novel, we have a full sense of a more fully uh, satisfying sense of the meaning of our daily actions and deeds. Novels are so are, uh, are uh, plastic or elastic things uh, uh, which go between the general statements, which well, uh, 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 ge um, general theories, which religion addressed for so many years, and particular things that we do in life. That, uh, that we look at this bottle, and then we have a general concept of, about meaning of life, about religion, very general things, and a good novel 
goes between this particular thing and the general idea very fast like that. I think Dostoevsky was great in that, that even the minute little things of daily life in his dramatical scenes reach to a level of a full, fully uh, satisfying meaning, uh, not in, in the world of things, but in the world of ideas. I think novels are, we read novels to have a sense of that, uh, that objects that surround us are related to a general sense of, uh, a general meaning. Uh, uh, the novelist's duty is, uh, is to describe objects and action and deeds in such a way that all of the hidden ropes or hidden relations uh, between the things and general meaning of life are more obvious. Yeah, but there's also something that you can fit yourself into in some kind of way, even though it's, it's, it's a different century and a di different culture and a different language, you can fit yourself into it. I, I mean, one of the differences between novels, thinking of it that way, and religion, since you brought that up, is religion seems to me at any rate, one size fits all. That is to say, there's uh, nothing particular about me. We're, we're all alike uh, in the eyes of the Lord, and we just do our duty, and maybe citizenship is like that as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that novels are taking the part of uh, explanation, explaining the daily life to, to us citizens. Uh, this was the duty of the religion, but the uh, secularization of the modern world uh, makes us um, hungry for more novels because that novels gives a meaning to what we do in the kitchen, what we do in the street. These are things that religion, you know, in its uh, uh, religion cannot address that directly. The palpability of daily life, its full colors and its uh, full presence uh, cannot be approached uh, by religion. It's novels are more likely to, to handle the situations of daily life. And that's what it's, uh, the appeal of the art of the novel is that's why it's continuing to be so strong in readers, I think. I want to ask a little bit about uh, the one, the real, the real writer that you mentioned in Snow, the, the poet who, 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 whose poetic gift returns to him uh, in Kaab, uh, uh, all of it has been uh, possessed by outer voices. So but that's right. And what I wanted to know was, is is, is that uh, is is that a natural, normal way to think about poetic creation? That I feel a poem coming, and then uh, I, that's I, Coleridge. That's Coleridge, right? But it, right, so it is. That you meant, even mentioned yeah, the, I, uh, the, Kubla, huh? the yeah. stranger from Porlock and yeah. so. But, but basically, I mean, is that the way, let's say you're, uh, forgive me, a mm -hmm. Turkish poet, then you say, uh, uh, a poem hasn't come my way for a long time. Okay, so uh, of course, uh, look, uh, I, I had, a, uh, I, had a, I wrote poetry for uh, eight months or something, when I was 18, <laughs> eight, 18, and I was pretty successful by Turkish standards. I managed to get my poems published in best magazines. Uh, but, uh, but uh, and I understood partly, or uh, I perhaps fancy that at that time I understood the idea of a poet, a person who is possessed, uh, deliberately possessed uh, by the powers outside of himself, herself. It's of course a romantic, romantic representation of the, what the poet is doing. Most of the time what I was doing is with what perhaps Philip Roth says in one of the Zuckerman no, uh, novels, I was playing the words around. You know, I was turning the sentence around. I was turning the words around and looking what's, what's happening here. It's fun. The I evening is cool. Cool was the evening. I mean, something like that. And smoking a lot. And, yeah. and, 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 I, and I like that. And, it, and I, it also, I, I, I was also developing a self-respect because of the time that I was giving to this empty page, the time and devotion I, that I was giving to this poem or bad poem or a good poem or and this concentration and and an imminent belief in the beauty of this the, the thing that I'm trying to produce 
these uh, slowly and slowly I was making myself not only making myself a poet but making myself uh, teaching myself this ethics of uh, artistic devotion devotion to the page but uh, but then there was an authentic honesty in me which said this is not me I can't be a poet although I published you could write poetry but you couldn't yeah, be a poet yeah it's something like that and although I published them sold to my friends here you know I published in the best magazine what about that Kind of, I did this kind of thing, <laughs> but then I, I stopped, and I, I said there was some dishonesty in it, uh, I felt, uh, that I, perhaps I also socially lacked the flamboyance or extravagance of the poet. I was a bit you know, nervous, nerd-like guy. That seems also to have been that your situation as a painter, so you obviously found deep satisfaction with the novel. Yes. This is you, right? There's obviously yeah, no problem there. at this it, point of authenticity <laughs> and so forth. I, I write with, I'm a patient guy. When, yeah. uh, and then I write slowly. I, 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 I like to be around my table, works eight hours, occasionally, randomly get out of my table, pick up a book and begin reading it, then return and write, continue, not necessarily be influenced by what I read. But I, I, I also feel that now this is a paragraph that I'm a very happy person in the, in the sense that for the 30, 33 years, this is what I've been doing. And, no, and I haven't done any job in my life except this one here at Columbia, uh, being a part <laughs> that, that my, my father paid me till the age of 30 pocket money. Uh, it's something that is relatively dishonorable, less dishonorable thing in my part of the world in Turkey than say in West because you know, my father wanted to be a writer himself, a poet himself, so he understood and like, okay, okay, here's some money. I, I don't think Proust worked in a flower oh, yeah, shop. Okay, yeah. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but then he had his money. Yeah. yeah. That 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 makes a difference. Makes a big difference. Yeah. That, that, I was asking money, you know, from my father, you know, and and I was embarrassed in ways to say that. So what? My, uh, what are what are what are you doing? You know, I'm writing a novel. There was no novel. Um, uh, that kind of. Thing. But on the other hand, uh, I I I feel very happy that uh, I haven't done anything in life except read and write. Maybe we should end it there. Yeah. <laughs>